0: Today's guest explains how she got over 500 people involved in her product development and they helped perfect her product design before she ever launched. The principles she shares can be used for companies launching new products or looking to change their marketing campaigns. Also, if you're familiar with the old site, thegromit.com, but you didn't know how they are currently operating since they shut down and relaunched recently, she walks you through some of the benefits of their website that shares new products with a wide audience of early adopters. Are you looking for new ways to make your sales grow? You've tried other podcasts, but they don't seem to know. Harvest the growth potential of your product or service as we share stories and strategies that'll make your competitors nervous. Now, here's the host of the Harvest Growth Podcast, John LeClaire. Welcome back to the show. Today, I'm excited to be speaking with Nicole Cuervo, who's the founder and CEO of Spring Rose. You can check them out at springrose.co. We're going to talk about her line of products she's developed. You'll get to know it really well. And then learn more. Once you finish the podcast, go visit the website, whether you're driving or whether you're watching this on video. But Nicole, first of all, I want to welcome you to the show.
1: Thank you so much for having me, John. I appreciate it.
0: Absolutely. So, can you tell us or tell our audience what is Spring Rose? What are what are your products, and how'd you come up with the original idea?
1: Yeah. At Spring Rose, we design easy-on bras and other intimates for women with limited mobility. So, we really focus on giving women back their dignity and their independence if they have any form of uh, limited dexterity, limited mobility, joint pain, or even if they're just uh, aging. You know. So, I had the idea maybe eight years ago now, I was spending a lot of time with my grandmother Rose, who the company is named after, and noticed that despite her being fully independent, capable and living her life, she still struggled to get dressed in the morning. And it's such a basic everyday thing to put on your underwear, your bras, your socks, and everything else. It felt like an indignity to me that it was something that was causing her pain and difficulty. So I like most founder stories, tried to find her a better option. We call it an adaptive bra because it's been adapted in a way that makes it easier to put on and couldn't find anything on the market that worked functionally with her arthritis and her chronic pain. And that also wasn't ugly and size limited to be kind about it. Um, Everything looked very medical. It looked very plain, white, soulless, shapeless. And I really thought It doesn't matter if you have limited mobility or disability, or if you're aging, you should have options that respect your dignity and that you are happy and comfortable to be wearing that don't feel like a compromise just because you can't or struggle with a more traditional closure system.
0: That's a great solution for people. so many people that are in need. What are some of the most common conditions that your customers have that make Spring Rose the perfect bra for them?
1: Yeah. We say we serve over 50 different conditions. Uh, When I first started, it was, I think I had like five in mind and the more people I talked to, the more we started opening the aperture and learning um, about who we could support. Uh, But right now our main customers tend to be people with limited shoulder mobility. So they have a shoulder injury or they're post-surgery and they need something they can put on one-handed. It's also people with different types of arthritis, rheumatoid arthritis, fibromyalgia, osteoarthritis. Um, And then we have some people who have hemiplegia, so stroke, cerebral palsy, um, or amputations. So our bra, what makes it special, I should have probably mentioned that, is you can put it on eight different ways. So you can put it on one-handed, you can step into it, you can pull it on overhead. Um, It's really flexible in how you get dressed, so it works for all these people. Uh, But those are the three groups we tend to serve best right now.
0: So I have to admit I've never worn a bra, but it looks a regular bra looks so complicated to put on. But after watching the videos on your website, you know, you know, I feel like, you know, even I could put this on. Which I know, obviously, at women who have been doing it for years, if you've got full dexterity, right, it's it's probably you probably get used to it, right? But as you age, things get more difficult. You mentioned arthritis or limited mobility, or you know, even being able to get your arms around back or whatever it might be. I think there's so many conditions that this could uh, could make life so much easier for. And I, we talked uh, before we started this interview about how you co-created or co-developed the product along with a lot of other people. So I think you mentioned 500 women were involved and over 35 occupational therapists as well. Can you describe that process? So how did you get so many people involved in making this product work so well?
1: Yeah. Apologies. I'm also in Brooklyn, New York, so there's some fun background noise. Um, my background is in design thinking, human centered design and strategy. So I really wanted to make sure as I was developing the product that we were incorporating as much input and feedback from people experiencing the challenge as possible. Um, to that end, I started by interviewing Women one on one. So I interviewed, I believe about a hundred at this point um, that I just had a 30 minute or hour conversation with to talk about their needs and what they wanted in a bra. And a lot of those people started off as The more people I told about my business and my ideas, the more they connected me with their mom, their aunt, their cousin, their friend. Um, I had one friend's mom who very kindly sent an email to her book club, her church group, and um, another group of hers. And so a lot of women reached out to me for that. But it was a lot of word of mouth because this was also 2020 in the pandemic. So we're all staying right at home. There was no way to go meet somebody for coffee. Everything was virtual. From there, I we actually opened up a landing page so people could sign up to stay updated and through that as people signed up they would get an email asking them if they were willing to fill out a survey for us to just let us know what they wanted what they needed what interested them from that we got a lot of responses people told us here's what i care about here's what i want here's who i'm buying it for myself somebody else um and then We, I got lucky and a friend of mine is a physical therapist and she mentioned, she was like, oh, this would be really great for my patients. So she connected me to friends of hers. And again, word of mouth and just talking to people and asking them to refer me to others. I ended up talking to a lot of physical and occupational therapists who work with these patient populations, which was a great way of not only getting With the individual people, I was able to get their individual stories, but with the PTs and the OTs, I could get a wider understanding of needs and different mobility limitations and what we needed to solve for. And those groups of people are the ones that we sent prototypes to, we sent samples to and got their feedback. So we kept on iterating on the product for almost three years until we launched it.
0: I love how you tested so much and so in-depthly in the beginning of the the launch process and especially given you know the constraints of covid back at the time right in 2020 how hard it was but you still pushed through you know a lot of our clients that might be listening you know at my my agency harvest growth we virtually always do market research in preparation for a launch right so they've developed the product they come to us we test and get things answered on how to market it but I always talk to them you know, sometimes I should say, I wish I could have talked to them earlier on in the process and that they had done market research before we ever meet them, right? I love that you started so early. It's there's so much value in getting your potential customers involved in the process of development because you know we, a lot of inventors, you know we we come up with ideas, we go through iterations ourselves, what we like, but we're different from our customers potentially, or at least have some differences. So, it's so valuable to get them involved really early on in the process. What are some of the learnings that you had because of that along the way? So maybe adjustments or changes to the design that you may not have thought of on your own.
1: Everything. (laughs) So every part of the product, every little piece was as a result of somebody's input or feedback. So for example, um, I have one on hand, so I can just show it to the camera, but uh, for everybody who's listening, the bra has two front velcro straps that make up the underband and that's how the closure system works uh, the front straps that have velcro on the tip are tipped they're not flat so the original prototype had it flat and i handed it to somebody to try on who i didn't realize had hand trimmers it was very difficult for her to get it into the closure system with a flat tip and so we ended up making it into a uh, tip for easy insertion or We surveyed our customers and said, do you want a front adjusting shoulder strap or a back adjusting shoulder strap? 75% said front, so it's a front one. Every piece of the product is built on other people's experiences and feedback, because to your point, when you design a product for yourself, that is a single narrative, that's a single point, a single experience, and you might not be representative of what everybody else wants. What I did find interesting about the process is People become very invested, which is really nice because then they support you later on. And I've had women for who the broad didn't work. It wasn't their perfect solution. We're developing other things too. But this first attempt was not it. They're still really big supporters of us. They still champion us. They still believe in us. They still reach out. And it's because they have that trust that we are looking out for them and care about their opinion genuinely. And so I think to your point, it's very important for people to put their idea out there and pressure test it before trying to launch something to market.
0: Absolutely. So let's fast forward a little bit. You've developed the product, come up with a concept that now works. And it's ready to go to, to go to market. What was the first big success or what you consider a success that you had?
1: Just getting to lunch is really difficult. Um, but other than that, we stumbled upon a platform called Gromit uh, pretty early on. And maybe two weeks after launching, and we applied, got accepted. So Gromit is a platform where consumer brands can launch physical products. It's kind of like a product hunt, but for physical product, and then you can go buy it. And that it was our first, was our biggest sales day when we launched on Grommet. And so that was very encouraging to see that if you do raise awareness about the product, people will come, people will try it, people will buy it, and people are excited about it. Um, we weren't just like shouting into the void of like, this is important. It actually spoke to consumers and that was early on validation financially that this was going to work and we had built the right solution. So I would say that was our biggest one at the beginning. And
0: if I bet a lot of our, some of our audience, at least that's, that they've been in the product space for a while, you may recognize the grommet that was around until, I don't know, maybe a year ago or so where they completely changed. They used to operate as a wholesale operation. They'd buy inventory from you, create marketing videos all on their own platform, almost like a catalog type website. Uh, and they went away, which was really sad because they are a, a, have always been a fantastic vehicle to launch and grow brand new products, especially people go to that site, as you said, to find new and different things and great ideas. So I'm so glad they they came storming back in a little different way, but still really effective. And it's, yeah, I, I couldn't uh, recommend them more as well. So I'm glad you brought them up. So and it's, it's the grommet with two Ms.com just for our listeners. You can go check that out. And of course, look up spring Rose and see their, their listing on the grommet as well. Upvote us, <laughs> of course. Yes, please. <laughs> now, what do you see now? Uh, fast forward a little bit further. What what drives most of your revenues or most of your business now?
1: We have a good mix right now of organic and paid. So on the organic side, we're really focused on search engine optimization on Google, and we do Pinterest as well. And that Google we've been working on for a year. We've been very successful. I think we're over. We've grown over eight hundred. Was it 800 or 8,000? It was a big number. We've grown like many percentage points where we were a year ago through really focused efforts on SEO. Um, Pinterest was just let's see what happens. And it turned out to be great because we do develop a lot of valuable content on our blog. Um, So we get, I would say, almost all of our organic sales come from them or referrals from friends. Like people said, my friend recommended this to me and they came. Uh, On the paid side, we are focused right now on Meta. Obviously, the changes that happened in the last two years are not fortunate for us in our timing, but we're still doing uh, really well actually on our uh, paid CAC on that platform versus what the market made it seem it would. It, it looked very dire until we actually started testing and realized it was resonating pretty well with people. Um, so we already, I can't give specific numbers, but I will say when we advertise on Meta, we make back our CAC with every purchase. Um, so at least that, and then oftentimes we can cover the cost of the product costs too.
0: That's fantastic. And I'll second that, you know, I think there's a lot of, there's always warnings that come up where Facebook makes a change or Google changes their algorithm or, or whatever it might be. There's a, there's always a solution too, right at the, uh, on the other side of these websites are, is a customer that is looking for solutions that you are bringing to market, right? Whether it's Spring Rose or our listeners, and we found that same thing. So we've been doing this long enough that this isn't the first big Meta change or Facebook change that we've come across, and it still puts a pit in your stomach. Like, oh no, they took away our primary co- way of doing this, and it just means we need to adjust. But we've we've seen that. To be honest, uh, you know, you say unlucky to start after the change, but. You know, we've gotten to the point where it's the results today are really about the same level they they were before the change. It took some a lot of tweaking and changes and it's just different. It's just a different way of doing it, but uh, the the platform still can be very profitable. So I'm glad it's it's working well for you as well. So along the way, you you mentioned before we again, before this interview, you've had I, I talked about challenges and you've talked about how you had a, a a lot of unexpected and tiny challenges, a lot of which are hard to predict. and it is so hard to it's hard to a question to answer or ask for the benefit of our audience, because their challenges are going to be completely different from yours and you can't always predict what the challenges are going to be. That's why they're challenges. Otherwise it'd be easy, right? You just follow the same procedure the next guy did. But what, what has helped you to overcome these unexpected challenges in your business?
1: Personally, it's a few things and they might be more personality driven. I think on one hand, I'm overly optimistic. And so I just, it doesn't mean the challenges don't stress me or don't worry me. It just means that I'm worried the day of, and then the next day or the following day, I'm already, it's like smoothed away. And I almost don't feel it as, it doesn't sting as much. I'm not as stressed about it. Um, I also do have an attitude of, if I can't fix it, if it's something out of my control, I'm not gonna stress about it. I'm not gonna worry about it because there's literally nothing I can do. So it, it would just be wasted energy. And I know that's really difficult depending on the challenge, but for example, Our first shipment of product was delayed by a few days because of some label challenges. Out of my hands, I'm not at my manufacturers. I'm not printing the labels. I'm not, I can't control like USPS or DHL or whatever. So when it's things like that, it's frustrating but there's nothing in my power. And so I'm not gonna worry about it. Uh, When there are other challenges that are within my control I do everything I can to fix it as quickly as possible. So for example, We had trouble finding a good manufacturer. Our current manufacturer was our fourth partner. It took us a really long time to find somebody who has the technical expertise, who understands our product and believes in us as a company and who can also um, execute within reasonable timelines and uphold our ethical fair labor standards. All those things are difficult to find, especially again, during the pandemic where you couldn't travel anywhere. And for us, The second it seemed like a manufacturer wasn't going to work out, I immediately reached out to my contacts to try and find others. Or I had some in reserve that I could reach out to. I was always on the look for, okay, if this doesn't work out, what's my solution for it? Uh, Hoping it would work out, but if it didn't, I had some plan in the back of my mind or I knew who I could reach out to for support.
0: I have to bring up for audience sake, you taught me a new word oh, before we started this interview of overly optimistic <laughs> being quixotic, which I, yeah. I love. I've heard that word before, but I've never really understood what it meant or whatever And probably our whole audience does. I don't know. But but for me, it was something I So thanks for teaching me that. And I think that's a common trait with entrepreneurs. Frankly, I think without being quixotic, it would be hard to make it through a lot of the tiny challenges that constantly happen in any business. You got to figure things out along the way, but staying optimistic is part of the solution, right? So it doesn't mean clouded over and ignoring challenges, but it does mean looking ahead and seeing a path to get through it and and staying happy and optimistic throughout that tough process sometimes.
1: Yeah. You're going to have, if you're starting a business, you're going to have small little challenges every week. None, not none of them, but they're likely not going to break you. They're not going to destroy your business, but there's always something every single day or a few times a week. There's always something. And if if those things hold you back, you're just never going to make forward progress.
0: Agreed. Well, I want to ask you, are there any resources that you recommend that have been helpful for you that may be helpful for some of our audience as well?
1: I really like newsletters and podcasts. Um, one of the newsletters I tend to read as much as I can whenever it comes into my inbox and then search for the stories is Modern Retail, their publication that focuses on retail direct to consumer. So obviously it fits for our type of business. Um, They're fantastic. I'd say finding community wherever you can. So I'm part of several different founder communities and I've made a point of trying to join those even if they cost $10 a month, like you might not know what value you're gonna get out of it in the short term, but long-term having people who've been through it before who know, how to, who've been basically in your shoes. They can give you really tactical advice, which is not to say you shouldn't have mentors or advisors, but those people tend to be far removed from where you are. They maybe have been, they've exited a company. And so the last few years of operation are very different from where you are at the beginning. So I would say just having community and founder friends who are in a similar space to you, but are not competitors is really helpful. Um, And podcasts, obviously like this one. I also like some um, specific Female entrepreneurship ones like Female Founder World that speak to again founders that I identify with. Absolutely,
0: thanks for sharing that. Is there anything I didn't ask that you think could be helpful for our
1: audience? I don't know if it's you didn't ask it. I just I want. I think you did. We touched upon it at least, which is to me the core of entrepreneurship should be about solving a problem. And solving a real problem for a person so i know you have a very diverse audience but i would say if you are looking to start a business um or you're right at the beginning make sure that you are talking about your idea to everybody that you can nobody's going to steal your idea which i think is something that is perpetuated people are too afraid of it but instead it's going to strengthen your idea because people will give you feedback people will connect you to others and By sharing what you're doing, you're going to gain that support and that momentum that you never know when it's going to come in handy. And it'll then help connect you to people who need a solution like yours so you can further refine and build something that will actually solve a problem. Because when you have product market fit, I'm not going to say you don't have problems, you still need capital and other things, but it makes everything way easier going forward.
0: That's great advice. And we run into, we do a lot of product launches as well as grow existing businesses. But the early stage, I've had a few conversations over the years where someone calls us up and says, Hey, can you give me some marketing advice? Like, how do I launch my product? I'm like, well, what is it? Well, I can't tell you it's confidential. And sometimes it's <laughs> it's to the point where they won't even tell me the category. I'm like, I don't need to know anything on the first call, like confidential, but like, is it a kitchen gadget? It's, they're so hesitant to share with anybody. And really it, it, it you know, I, I would venture to guess. I you know most of these I never talk to again cuz you know they probably don't do anything with it. I think it just sits on the shelf cuz they're scared to push it forward, but it's so rare that you get copied at, at an early stage like that and frankly copies do happen, right? They get taken from factories and things like but no matter how careful you are, it's going to happen once you go to market. These early stage though before you like in your launch phase, it just it doesn't happen as you said. It's uh, it's it's not something to worry about and you need you to get a lot more value by getting people involved than the potential tiny risk of you know somebody taking your idea or whatever it just doesn't happen so thanks for bringing that up i agree so i do want to encourage our audience please check out springrose.com or sorry .co springrose.co <laughs> <laughs> i knew I was going to do that One i day. wrote it down big on here as uh, springrose.co uh to check out nicole's great line of products you can see some of the videos they put on there and understand what the product is and does and if you know anybody that has any kind of limited mobility please share with them it's it's, it's something that could certainly Change their life for the better. And Nicole, thank you so much for the time. I really appreciate it today.
1: Thank you so much for having me, John. I appreciate it.
0: Did you know you can meet with a member of my team absolutely free for a 30 minute strategy consultation? We've launched and grown hundreds of products since 2007 and learned some of our strategies while growing OxyClean back in the Billy Mays days. We're here to help. So please go to harvestgrowth.com and set up a call if you'd like to discuss further.